with Hermitage because he makes Sunday mornings great again. Good morning at Creona, and that was The Clash, and I'm so bored with the USA. Do we know who has officially won yet? My only selfish concern is whether my Sunday morning intro is good for another four years, or is it going to be of historic comedic value? So there was me, 
at the start of Friday's show, intimating that you, if you tuned in, as you have done right now, unless you're listening to one of the plethora of streaming and downloading sites, that you would be hearing the repeat of the aforementioned Friday's show, a bit with you know different intro and outro. However, by the end of Friday's episode, I had decided that there would be a Sunday morning breakfast show, which obviously you are listening to right now. So, the new segmentation of Tom's phobic foibles. Well, hopefully, all things being equal, it will begin on the show that will air on the 4th of December. However, as I mentioned on Friday's episode, I had a good old chat and catch up with Mr Crosley last Tuesday. That, unlike the Matt Dangerfield and Casino Steel interview, I actually managed to record it. Shockingly, on my Matt Uno caster. Uh, the downside is the uh, vocal levels are a bit excused that uh, hopefully are fixed in the mix. Uh, no Barton Stacy to correct my errors at the moment due to the uh, restraining order. I mean social distancing, sorry Barton. Right, so without further ado... Hello, Tom. Uh, thanks for giving up your time. The burning question is obviously, how have you been keeping during the pandemic? Well, I suppose I, I can't really grumble. I'm still working. Um, obviously, we've all lost people that we know or know of due to the virus and other conditions, and we don't have any music to go and see. And so there's a whole raft of people that we're not going to be able to see in in the right environment for well fucking ages i don't really know when it's all going to get back to anything remotely close to normal so i don't know i've been i've been i've been up i've been down but i've been trying to just get into the pace of doing not very much at all really um and sometimes it's okay and other times you really miss you know you miss the people you miss the you miss the connections and and everything else and a bit of a laugh you know but you you can concentrate on other things and I think it's just all all a matter of trying to find something to just take your mind off what's going on it's just all distraction isn't it yeah it's the socializing that I've missed sort of like you know just you say just you know obviously gigs but like you know that between bands there's the socializing there's the catching up and it's, it's just that just seems to you know it's 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 lost at the moment, but uh, I was trying to I was trying to think how long we've known each other, and because it, it, it a bit like Kevin Shepherd, you're a face yeah. that I've always seen. But I think it was at uh, Andy Pearson who was uh, who introduced us first. Yeah, it's his fault for a lot of things actually. <laughs> <laughs> so I it must, love you, Andy. It must be it must be in the early nineties. Must be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, well, we—I mean, we both. I think you know quite a lot of people in in our in our network of people. We all evolve in 
different orbits and they all connect and sometimes they they stay connected and other times they go off on a tangent and 20 years later they reconnect again it's like oh yeah you're that bloke blah 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 you know but yeah i i don't know it's just oh yeah i just think we're, we're i think we're really we're really lucky to know the people that that we do and to still be interested in all this you know music lunacy yeah, because absolutely. there's so many people that I know that I grew up with and they look at you and they just think, oh, what are you still into music for? You know, they, they I mean, they've grown up and it's like, what's the fucking point of that? I, I know exactly what you mean. Back around uh, 1981, 82, a bunch of us who used to uh, frequent the Saxon Tavern went up to see ACDC at Wembley. And afterwards, one of the guys turned around and said something along the lines of, that's it. I've seen Motorhead. I've seen the Ramones and now ACDC. I don't need to go to any more gigs. I've seen all I need to. I, you know, I could not believe or understand his rationale. I mean, for me, I just wanted more of the same. I mean, this thing is, I think if you're serious about it, it's a total life sentence. You know, I can't imagine a life without music, a life without gigs. I mean, obviously, giving doing doing gigs is another, another thing on top of that. But, you know, when are you going to just go, oh, no, I can't be bothered listening to music, I can't be bothered, you know, listening to something different or doing something different or seeing seeing this band again, you know, for the umpteenth time. I, I just, you know, I mean, I don't know. Whether it's arrested development or whether it's extremely good taste and, you know, if you enjoy doing something, why would you stop doing it? Exactly. You know, to me... It's just a, a massive act of self harm if you if you do you know if you just grow up and go straight and just never never darken its doors again. But what's what's going to take place of it? Well, it's they're they're lost. Probably he's probably got about sixteen kids and like you know uh, mortgaged and he's probably very happy. Well, but... I mean, if they are, then that's great. But I mean, to me, it's a good out. It's a you know, it's a good outlet for lots of different things, and it it complements lots of different things as well. So you know. Everyone's a winner. There are a lot of people that that are quite happy to do nothing, I suppose. But uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm glad to say I'm not one of them. So what? Was... I... <laughs> <laughs> this is very true. What what was the got you into music in the in the in the first place? What was the band that did it for you? Well, there was probably lots of bands. I mean, I was I was born in '58. Um, I know, hard to believe, isn't it? I know. So you can work you can work all that lot out. So yeah, probably. I just I lived in a pub and the radio was always on and you just heard what was on the radio and it was you know it was the Beatles it was the Stones it was you know 60s pop uh, girl groups all this I mean just sort of like all the mainstream stuff I had cousins uh, that used to come down because uh, my dad's originally from from Doncaster mm-hmm. uh, he's from Doncaster and my mum's from Italy and um they had they got a pub together in Kilburn, and um, I mean I'll tell you a story about the pub in a minute. But yeah, so you, there was all, always music on all the time, and so you just absorb what's in what's in the charts and what's on the radio stations, and then your your sort of taste grows. But you know, I think you know I used I remember being being in Italy one time and, and standing on a table and being made to sing a Beatles song, <laughs> which probably put me off the Beatles for the rest of my <laughs> rest of my life. But I always preferred the Stones to the Beatles. But to let you into a secret, I'm, I'm sort of like going back into the Beatles now, just because it's just like, well, you know, let's, let's, let's 
sometimes it's nice to go backwards and sideways and and forwards at the same time as well. So, well, yeah, the, so well, there's a deep and dark secret. Tom listens yeah. to the Beatles shot. <laughs> well, the, the Beatles were the, the like you know what what you could you could bring them home to your parents, but the Stones you you couldn't. Like the Beatles. Oh, don't... The, the, you're, the Beatles, you're absolutely. The Beatles were like you know the first manufactured pop bands, and then uh, and and the the, the Stones were like oh, fuck that we ain't we ain't standing on any revolving thing round at the Palladium, and you know and the music I think reflected it. They were more based. The Stones were more, you know, the R and B, much more like you know much more of the blues. But uh, yeah, they they were a rock band. The Beatles were a pop band, and I I, I love the Beatles. <laughs> You know, I think the Beatles definitely. I mean, the Beatles were sort of the Sex Pistols of the, of their day, I suppose. They, when people saw saw that and Elvis and some of the fifties rock and roll, it was just like, oh fucking hell, here we go. Yeah, I wonder, 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 could I do that? But you know, I think probably more in more in those days, you know, you had to be, you had the the feeling that you had to be accomplished and and well well rehearsed and everything like that it wasn't like punk where it was just like just pick it up and bang it and you know you're in a band yeah so that... there was different attitudes but i yeah. think that they were equally as 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 influential i suppose for for the for the youth of that of that particular time but going going back to the stones and your parents hating them i mean where where our pub was in in kilburn uh chris blackwell had a studio over there where where um i think it was his first first studio and millie Millie did my boy lollipop and came into the pub and I was sent upstairs to get her some hot milk because she wasn't old enough to drink. But basically all the people that used to hang around there would come in the pub. And the Stones had digs in Kilburn at the time. And one day Mick and Keith came in the pub and my mother famously refused to serve them. She sort of looked at looked them up and down and just said, Oi, lips. 
this is obviously to Jagger, go, <laughs> go away and have a bath. You look like you might have fleas. And they turned around and went out of the pub and sadly were, were never seen again. In the early 60s, where, where people were starting to get their hair long and, and, you know, they were the fucking antichrist. People were, were, were scared of them. They were a real threat to the moral fabric of society, you know, uh, re- repeated in, in 76, 77, part two, you know. But yeah. that was it, you know, and that was that was obviously the attraction. So I was listening to that sort of stuff, and you know, I really got into all the all you know glam glam rock. You know, Mark Bannon was a massive hero of mine. Mm. Uh, Alice Cooper uh, again, and but uh, you know, even sort of, I mean, Sweet Slade, or every you know, all of that sort of stuff. You know, some of it was gone flash in a pan. Some of it still is still around today you know what i mean but it was it just it saw you gave you the possibilities of just thinking oh fucking hell you know i could do this except i didn't really have the balls to do it because i was too busy when i started going to see bands and I was, i'm talking now we we jumped up to about 74 i was lucky that i hung around a couple of friends of mine and we would just go and see bands and it wouldn't really matter who they were so there wasn't sort of like, a, oh, we're into this genre or that genre. So we would just go, you know, just to see random bands. And the first band I went to see was Cockney, uh, Cockney Rebel at the Winning Post. And I passed out in the middle of the gig. I was just so <laughs> overcome by just the sheer experience of, of the music that I just, for a second, I just sort of zoned out. And the next thing I know, I'm sort of like outside the fucking venue. And then it was like, oh, 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 let me get back in there again. But, you know, you'd see someone like that one week and Bebop Deluxe the next week and Rare Bird and Thin Lizzy. I saw Thin Lizzy before Blimey. they got really big. The heavy metal kids were there. And and it just sort of like carried on from there. And you know, they one of the guys was really into metal, so we saw all the all the all the big metal bands. So we saw Zeppelin and Deep Purple and Sabbath. I mean, all the sort of like the original lineups and everything like that. Lived in West London, moved from from Kilburn to West London, and you know, Hammersmith Odeon was a bus ride away. So you would just get on get the music papers in Chiswick because you can get them a day earlier. That's Find right. out who was playing. Go up to Hammersmith Odeon or wherever the venue was. Queue up, buy your tickets for one fifty-two quid, and you would never ever miss anyone. So the amount of gigs that we saw was was massive. We were in the right right time and the right place. And because I was in the pub and I worked in the pub, I did little jo- jobs and had a paper round and a butcher's delivery round. I had money, <laughs> you know, disposable money to to, to finance this this gig habit and. You know, I've, I've never stopped doing it, I suppose. Is the aptly titled Tumbling Down from Cockney Rebels, the Psycho Mondo album. Gee, but it's hard when one knows one's God to the vultures. Now me, I regard it a tortuous hardship that smoulders. Peppermint eaten away. Will I fight? Will I swagger or sway? Hee hee, my lady, she cries like a baby to scold her. See her tumbling down. 
So, Cockney Rebel were the first band that you saw live, Tom, but uh, what was your first band that you were actually in? first band that I was in was probably a school band called the Trochoids, and we might have got as far as a rehearsal. I was just in a couple of bands with, with mates, really, but I I was just a fail with everything. I tried to play guitar. I was left-handed, and I had a right-handed guitar turned upside down and just figured that that's, you know, what, what you did. Got got a book of chords and of course the chord patterns didn't make any sense because no. I had the guitar upside down <laughs> so I was absolutely crap and then I got a left-handed guitar and tried to do the same thing and it was equally crap so it just sort of moved on from there but anyway to, to answer the question I was I was drumming in a band called the Vietnamese Babies with Pedro and Duncan. Duncan ended up playing with Nicky Sutton and um no, it's, I'm jumping ahead of the. the so yeah, well, I was playing. I was playing in a band with Pe- Pedro and Duncan. We worked with Vietnamese Babies. We were me and Pedro were in a band called the Vietnamese Babies, but that only got as far as a studio. We didn't do any gigs, and it was just it was thunder stuff. It was all very very thund- thunders dolls sort of rock and roll related. <laughs> Sorry, baby, sorry, that's all you do. When a 
I mean, doing a bit of singing, but again, failed drummer. And, and the, the band turned into Thunderbird and Rebel Yell. We, we did a gig. We ended up doing one gig supporting Bad Karma Beckons, who who I joined in the interim, which was, like, I mean, my 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 ventures into into a singer was was just a uh, it was just a bit mad, really. We used to help a club called uh, the uh, Gossips. Uh, uh, let me get my teeth in. Uh, a, a club called the Pipeline at, at Gossips, and um, we had um, Tuesday nights. And this other club opened up called Alice in Wonderlands, and they had they had Monday nights, and that was the doctor mm, from Doctor and Medics. And there was a nice bit of competition between between the two clubs. And you know, I mean, as, as these things are, and, it, and the competition was quite healthy. It was there wasn't any jealousy or anything like that and anyway they started booking similar bands to us or some of the bands that we that we would book so we decided that you know one drunken night um we were just me and a bunch of of, of friends um we just chatting and we just had this idea that we would try and make a band up and get a gig there just for a laugh so people used to send demo tapes so i think it was might have been the passion puppets or or some I can't remember whose demo it was. Uh, I, I might l- look it up <laughs> later and, and uh, give you the, the right information. <laughs> but anyway, we got the, we got this demo and we sent it to to the doctor and said that it was us, even though us didn't exist, and just forgot about it. And then there was a phone call, I think, on a Sunday, and it was like, oh, one of the bands has pulled out. You know, can you do the gig? And it was, you know, with the manager. <laughs> I, 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 Manager was called uh, Richard Head, so work that one out. <laughs> and uh, um, so, you know, the manager accepted the gig, and then, you know, I got a phone call saying, "Oh shit, we've got to do a gig." You know, like what? Let, let's so we booked booked Alaska Studios, went down there, and it was like, "What can you do?" And I was me, well, nothing. Okay, you're a singer. <laughs> there was another guy, <laughs> Jude Carr. His brother was in uh, Amon Carr, who was in Horse Lips. He could um, he could do nothing as well, so he was a singer. Uh, Tony Conway, uh, who was in Mood Six and Security uh, Risk and uh, uh, several other bands, he was a guitarist, so he played guitar. Uh, Carol Waters was in I think the first Irish all girl punk band called uh, the the Boy Scouts. So we're talking um, Dublin rather than Northern Ireland, and um, Duncan uh, could play bass, so he was a bass player. And we'd completely forgotten about drummers. And so we didn't have a drummer. No one knew a drummer. So we just used a drum machine. And we practiced a load of covers on the Sunday night. And we played them on the Monday night. We went there in disguise and wigs and all psychedelic (laughs) man. And after 
I mean, we got a really fantastic reaction. It was just so bad. It was just, you know, it was obviously a piss take. And when they realised it was a piss take, they really got the hump and, and tried to pull the plugs and there was all kerfuffles and everything. So that was it. That was, you know, that was, that was our debut. And it was just going to be a one-off performance. This is Bad Karma Beckons. And, um, you know, Ralph Traitor in Sounds wrote a review of the gig and it was just like an absolutely magnificent review and it was people was going oh you've got to do some more you've got to do some more and it's like oh no no it was just we just did it for a joke you know we were not a proper band you know i mean if you could have seen this you'd have uh, you'd have known that but anyway uh but we just sort of you know we, we carried on and, and we did get a proper drummer and uh we ended up with two drummers at one point and yeah so we're talking sort of like you know mid 80s and um Bad Karma Beckons, you were saying, uh, they only released, you only released one LP, uh, the uh, Mutate and Survive album that came out in uh, 1986, uh, from which this track, Do Da Snake, has been taken. There's a new dance that's crawling around From the psychedelic jungle to the top of the town To the snake Prior to that, I was I, I just don't think I had the confidence to, to believe that I could do anything in a band in public. And plus I was just too busy seeing lots of bands. So it was almost like it had to be a photo complete that made me do it. And then of course once you get the bug, it's like, yeah, okay, I quite like this, you know. So Bad Karma morphed into Hell Train. Um Hell Train split up. Um we we sort of there are other 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 bands. I mean, a band called the Famous Monsters with Giovanni D'Adamo, mm-hmm. Mick Atkins, uh, and Paul Toll and Carol from from Bad Karma and Hell Train, and you know lots of other people. <laughs> Revolving Doors. We we did some stuff. 
I, I forgot to mention, Tom, that um, I used to work around the corner from you know where you live. In actual fact, if I opened the fire exit at the back of the building, I had a 90-degree side-on view of, uh, of your front garden, which was handy when it came to exchanging records. And as you mentioned, Hell Train, uh, you very graciously gave me Hell Train's one and only self-titled album one evening whilst I was enjoying free beer, courtesy of my work, in the meantime brewery. And if I remember correctly, you might have even purloined a couple of pints for yourself. Anyway, the Hell Train album, that sadly for the uh, modernist listeners amongst us, uh, like Mutate and Survive, hasn't been converted to ones and zeros and is an outstanding garage rock album. But uh, the listeners don't have to take my word for it, as this is I Can't Change, open brackets, the way I feel about you, close brackets.
then I broke my leg. Uh, I had my leg snapped in half by a wheel. Uh, I probably told you the story. Was, was that in the uh, was... Robber High Tunnel? What? Well, no, I, got, I did get knocked over the Rotherhide Tunnel after after uh, uh, a, a rehearsal, but that's that's another story <laughs> altogether. I don't, I don't make a habit of getting knocked over. No, no, um, no. Well, that the story about the leg breakers. I'd been to a christening, right, which I really didn't want to go to at all. It was not long after my birthday, and I was due to go mum go to my mum's for Sunday dinner, but we'd got roped into this christening. It was just like, oh, for fuck's sake. And the girls were little then. Um, I mean, sort of like toddler, primary type. You know, I think yeah. Isabel would have been a few months old. Kimberly would have been three years old. Anyway, I smoked at the time. And we're in we're in the, the, um, the church, this christening is going on, and the kids are sort of like misbehaving. And then eventually Dee takes them out. And, you know, I noticed after a while I was standing there, this bloody ceremony is going on and on and on and on and on with the most demonic priest you've ever seen in your life. He looks like the guy in Hellraiser, you know, the yeah. guy with the needles in his head. <laughs> he looked like him. He was fucking frightening. But he just wouldn't shut up. It was just this thing just went on and on and on. And I'm just looking at all the people going outside having a cigarette going, oh, I really want a fan, I really want a fan. Anyway, eventually we left. So it was like, quite quick, let, let's get down. We, so we needed to... You know, get off, get go from Deptford to, to West London, um, get me Sunday dinner. And we're going along Deptford Church Street. I've got Kimberly standing on the back of the pram, Isabel in the pram, Dee standing beside me. We're just walking along the road, and the next thing, I'm on the floor. And what's happened is the car has been zooming down the road. The wheel came off the car, bounced along seen the car on its axle there's sparks about 120 foot up in the air and we're going fucking hell look at that and then next thing as i said i'm on the floor uh and then he goes don't look at your leg and of course i looked at my leg and it was it was in two bits i mean it was literally a tom <laughs> and jerry cartoon <laughs> break where i broke broke both bones of the leg and you know they were poking out my jeans this this wheel had come off the the um the car bounced along the road, bounced along the pavement, wallop hit me. My knee goes into the push chair. The girls go up in the air. Uh, luckily they were fine, but yeah. So yeah, <laughs> shorter story long, long short story short. I'm I've got a broken leg. I've got an external fixator um, uh, because the bones wouldn't heal properly. Then I had in a Lazarus cage, which is one of those things that's like a kebab. Uh, with all the spikes going through and I'm bored out my head and I find out I mean Moynihan I've always wanted to be in a band with Moynihan Moynihan lives in Deptford he comes from the same town in Omer that Dee comes from so I knew them I was in a band also with Jeff previously and Carol but that you know that was a fairly short-lived thing and Moynihan's going oh why don't you come and we're, we're looking for a new singer you know like we've blah, blah, blah. And I said, who's in the band? And he said, oh, Jeff's in the band, blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, what sort of stuff are you doing? And he goes, oh, we're doing a couple of songs that you and Jeff wrote in, you know, the reversals. And I thought, well, I'll give it a try. I mean, if they're doing songs that I know and they sound okay, then that's great. If they're not, you know, if it's if it's shit, I won't do it. If it's okay, I will. And went over there and asked my audition. <laughs> and uh, the, rest, the rest is purgatory. <laughs> So that's obviously yeah, the so that would a bit so that yeah, so that's sort of like um 
99, you know, that was September 99, I had the accident. So it would have been winter, winter 99 that, that, that the phobic started. And uh, yeah, we've been going ever since. Uh, the Phobics uh, have a new album out at the moment called Burnt Rubber that regular listeners will be well aware of uh, since uh, its release. I've played a selection from it. We do, yeah. Not, not, not at all related to the accident, <laughs> I hasten to, hasten to add. Uh, yeah, yeah, we have. Um, but it normally takes us 10, 10 years to do an album. The last one was about eight, eight to 10 years uh, away. That was down, uh, down in that. Uh, <laughs> down and out in Deptford. No, that wasn't. That was Deptford Calling. Down and out in Deptford was the name of one of our EPs. Um, so yeah, we've had a, a fairly stable um, uh, lineup. We've had a couple of people come and go, and a couple of people go. Um, but yeah, but we're really, really missing it. I mean, since since lockdown, really, we've we've been together once for a drink in the Pelton. We've had one rehearsal and we played one gig. And that's that's all this year, and it's 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 really really shit because you know the new album's out as you say. We just before everything was shut down, we had a, we had a little tour of Germany for the third year running set up. Um, we made a load of merchandise, reprinted this, the the, the uh, pressing of, of uh, burnt rubber to take over and sell, and then two days before we we're supposed to go. Bang! Everything shut, and yeah, they're still sitting in boxes somewhere. So, yeah, so that's how I got. That's how I'm on I'm, I'm where I am at the moment, I suppose. But um, yeah, really, really, really missing it. I guess uh, this is the perfect opportunity, Tom, to uh, play something from Burnt Rubber. Is the title track.
Now, I've got to ask you about this. As, uh, you, like me, Tom, are a fan of that Croydon beat combo, the Dan. What do you think about Rat and Brian reuniting with Captain and Dave? I, th- I, I think it's been, been long overdue. I mean, and, and not even for nostalgic reasons. I just think sometimes there's unfinished business and it was so acrimonious anyway. And it just seems to be, you know, it just seems to be the thing to do, you know. And I'm... I'm I'm really looking forward to it, and all right, I'm. It's probably a bit of a pisser for for Paul Gray and and anyone Monty. else who's in 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 the damned, you know. And and I don't know what what the plans are after after these gigs are out of the way, whether they whether they're just on hiatus or whether they've been, you know, pushed aside. I'm I'm not really sure, but I just think, you know, especially when you get to our age, it's just you just got to let all the fucking bygones be be bygones and mm. and give the punters what they want and and you know and then you and then you see what happens don't you but you know that the, if there's a demand if there's a demand there i'm not saying that's the right right thing for bands to do but i think in the case of the damned where there have been so so many changes and 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 what have you it's like this is what people want to watch i mean if you've seen the the, the film haven't you yeah so, oh yeah 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 and, and it was it was just sad that the way that everyone had just sort of like you know split off into their groups and they, they don't talk to them and we don't talk to him and and sometimes you just gotta go oh, for fuck's sake just just you know what i mean let's just have a couple of drinks yeah. shake hands and just, just get on with it yeah and you know if it works great we'll have a good time uh and you know, see what happens after that. And, you know, a lot of people have gone, oh, they're only doing it for the money. I mean, I'm sure that they could get more money doing, <laughs> that the, the the current damned lineup could get more money doing what, what they what they have been doing. Mm. So, I don't know, you know, and I think... Well, it's... it's, 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 it's a... Socially distanced. Oh, no, I, th- I you know, it's... Iggy Pop once said, "You pay your money and you take your choice." You know, if you don't, if you don't like the lineup, you don't want to pay seventy quid. Don't yeah. go. Now, I wasn't old enough to see the original lineup back in seventy six, early seventy seven. I had to wait until the uh, late eighties to see him at the Town and Country Club with the original four playing a set. Uh, before the then current members of Bryn Merrick and Roman Jug uh, came on and played a second set of uh, Machine Gun Etiquette and Black Album material. Then the later the later tours. Uh, Paul Gray took over from Brim, but I mean, let's face it, they haven't worked for a year. They've just got a handful of dates in July that could uh, potentially bring them in like you know, a quarter of a million each, uh, plus merch sales and uh, no doubt uh, one of the gigs will be filmed for DVD, mind you, name the damned. Uh, as we do, they probably haven't thought of that. So hopefully they'll get on. But after watching the uh, press conference, you could tell from Captain's body language that he didn't seem happy. But I, d- I didn't see that. I mean, he's probably had to eat more humble pie than, than anybody else. But that's probably because he's had more of an opinion about it than than any of the others. I mean, I might be wrong on that. You 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 probably got a better insight in the, into that than I than I have. But I think you know, I I, I might look at the press press conference uh, later on. But I think I'm I was just happy for the sake of this. You know, it's something it's something to look forward to. Yeah. All right. It's not going to be it's not going to be like like when I saw them in it, <laughs> saw them, saw the original lineup in their heyday. Of course, of course, it's not. But I just think, you know, it'll be a nice gathering of the clan. And yeah, I was hoping, and I know I banged on about it before, but I would have been really, it would have been really interesting if Lou Edmonds was involved because practically no one 
in the UK saw that lineup play live. Rat had quit whilst on tour in France with Dave Burke finishing off those uh, set of dates with uh, John Moss drafted in for the subsequent domestic gigs. Plus, we'd uh, get on a full on MC5 Phil with uh, music for pleasure tracks getting played. I mean, Don't Cry Wolf, Idiot Box, Stretcher Case are just brilliant damn songs. There's great songs on there. I mean, I really like it as well. And I, I play it just certainly just as much as the first album. And that's just a stone dead classic. But I really mm. do. I really do like that. It's just got a, it's just got a vibe about it that, you know, I mean, I think the first two da- damn, damned albums, there, there's what can you compare them to? You can, you know, there's lots of other punk albums that came out, you know, after, but, you know, they, they were just, they just have a wonderful bit of uniqueness about them. Uh, that's intrinsically theirs and, and theirs alone. You know, it's not like a, a formula or anything like that, but yeah, it's, and and I, I I I I like them for that reason. Off the off the back of all this, uh, I have been listening to a lot of the um, stuff Brian did after the Damned and before Lords in the New Church, and the Devil Inside of Me hopes that these live dates will start off with "I'm Sorry" by Tanster Youth. <laughs> Try and see 
Yeah, well, even if they hate each other, I mean, fucking hell, we all do jobs that we hate, work with people that we don't like, and we've been in bands where we got on each other's tits, but sometimes you just got to go, you know what, we just got to, we just get over, get over it for 10 minutes and just do do what you've got to do, and then you can carry on hating me, you know, but while we're while we're out there, let's just let's just do it. Yeah, I mean the Ramones basically existed well, yeah. like that. Yeah. So the Heartbreakers existed like that as well, and, and lots of other bands. You know, you you know you don't have to fucking like the people that you're doing stuff with. And sometimes it's it's that antagonism uh, and and angst that that creates the chemistry that makes the band so good in the first place. You well, know? yeah, the, everyone's the... sparking off of everybody else. Yeah, the know? Who. I mean, like you know, um, Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend. They they hated each other for a while and, they, yeah. and you know and and it you know it, it 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 does it creates that spark a bit of tension but uh yeah whilst they count the money on the way to the bank well i think that uh, about wraps things up tom thanks for speaking to me and i look forward to tom's phobic foibles next month and eventually meeting up again in person well i'm i'm very much looking forward to that so you know whenever it may be i'll certainly drink to it all right <laughs> take it easy tom and i'll see you all later right. You take it easy. Love to you and love to your family. Likewise. See you later, mate. All right. Yep. See you later. Bye. Phew. Well, I think that worked out well. Right. Until Friday, take it easy. Knocking on doors, opening windows up and-